0: Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tokajer of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Mashiachenu, Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you, we love you, and we adore you. Father, I pray that as we open up your word today that you will speak boldly into our hearts and our lives that it will be your word spoken, spoken, your heart received, that nothing in me will be involved except that which you've ordained specifically for this pro- uh, purpose, specifically for this process. Father, I pray that you will move mightily and powerfully in our hearts and our lives, that you will speak into our hearts and our lives, that we will leave this place changed and prepared to uh, encounter the world around us transformed and ready to share the besor, the good news of Yeshua Mashiach with all those that you put in our place. B'shem Yeshua In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen. If you have your scriptures today, go and open up to Exodus chapter 21, beginning of verse 1. This is the beginning of our Parsha. This week's Parsha is Parsha Mishpatim. Uh, The root word is actually similar to the root for judges, uh, but in particular, this is the ordinances uh, uh, that are given to Israel. There's... 613 commandments in the Torah Approximately 53 of those Are given in this Parsha alone Um, So there in terms of Any of the the Parsha throughout scripture This has a large percentage Of the 613 In one Parsha it's rather Impressive to see but if you read This Parsha you'll realize that an overwhelming majority Of the commandments in this Parsha Are common sense Uh, And so it's it's really interesting To look through this and we see how so often believers are kind of standoffish from the commandments of the Torah as though it's a bad thing But the reality is is we're already living those commandments out for the most part because it's common sense um, it May also be a slight uh, uh, accusation of people using common sense I'm not sure that that happens anymore uh, But nonetheless it should be and most of these commandments are that But specifically I want to focus on two parts of the Parsha this week that I think speak directly into what the Lord is doing uh, and and what He's trying to show us uh, as we move through the cycle this year. In Exodus 21, beginning with verse 1, it says, Now these are the ordinances which you will set before them. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve for six years, and in the seventh he is to go free, without payment. If he he comes in by himself, he is to go out by himself. If he was married, then his wife will go out with him. If his master gave him a wife and she bears him sons, Daughters the wife and her children will be her masters uh, And he will go free by himself But if the servant plainly states I love my master My wife and my children I will not go out free uh, Then his master is to bring him to God then uh, Then take him to a door or a door post His master is to pierce his ear through with an awe And he is to serve him forever Anybody read this and went the crap? Like, that's just really weird, right? Especially when you think American history, uh, and we think about slavery that, that existed in the U.S., and we think about the reality that slavery still exists around the world, which is rather disgusting in and of itself. And we're reading this random passage that deals with God seemingly giving Israel opportunity to have slaves, right? It just seems weird, right? It, it, it just doesn't—it's it, hard to wrap our heads around Uh, But the reality is And and this is the honest truth about the the Word of God as a whole And I see this throughout as a theme Throughout the Word of God Is that uh, we serve a God who is is highly intelligent Far more so than any of us are And uh, as such He is well aware that you and I Are generally idiots right? And you and I are going to do really stupid things And he realized that Israel Was going to do really stupid things eventually And he said okay Odds are this stupidity is going to happen So here's how we make sure that this stupidity Doesn't become worse right Uh, So for instance there are commandments Dealing with polygamy but God never said Polygamy was okay the same is true here God never once says slavery is okay He just says, look, I recognize you're idiots, and you're going to do stupid stuff, and because of that, here's how you can make sure that your stupidity doesn't become worse, and it doesn't become a sin upon the the people of Israel as a whole. And so as we look at this, we recognize that this is also not only that, but this is also a really uh, uh, powerful reality because... In Israel, and, and what we read about here is Israel's preparing to go into the promised land, and these, this particular section of commandments deals specifically with when they enter uh, the promised land is that this isn't speaking of slavery in the sense of what we think of in American history. This is speaking of slavery in the sense of uh, indentured servitude. Uh, They actually got paid. They willingly went into this servanthood, this bond servant, maybe a better term. They willingly went into this role of bond servant. Uh, Often it was because they were in debt or they uh, were short on money for various reasons and they wanted to be able to provide for their family. So they would make themselves bond servants to someone else. And the Lord set up opportunities that you could only serve for six years. On the seventh year, you were set free. And the amount of service and the Amount of pay that you would get for that Service would be based upon How many years were left Of service available in that Seven year cycle because it's not like you Come in today and you spend six years on the Seventh year you get free and Everybody just depends on when they come in it's A set seven year cycle the Shemitah Cycle every single uh, uh, Year and throughout the Series and so the entire nation of Israel Falls in line with this so if you come In on first day of first Year, you work for six straight years on the seventh year set free. If you come in on the first day of the sixth year, you work for one year, and the seventh year you're set free, is how this works. So what we see here is that it's talking about when that seventh year comes up and it's time to set that bond servant free, that you can let them go free. (coughs) Excuse me. If they came in with a wife, they can leave with the wife. They came in with children. They can leave with the children. But if the master graciously gave uh, a bride to the the bond servant, now right out the gate, knowing ancient uh, Mideast culture, knowing uh, the culture of the Israelites, knowing how things worked in the ancient Mideast, Uh, We recognize that this clearly shows the bondservant mentality spoken of here as something entirely different than what we think of as American history slavery, right? Because if you give your bondservant a bride, in essence, this is something that a father would do giving away his daughter. Uh, It's this familial concept that's being put in place. There's almost this family aspect. This bondservant is a part of the family uh, of his master And so if he gives, her a, gives him a bride And they have children together And that time comes That six years is up Seventh year comes around He's able to go free If he wants to go free He can leave If he brought a wife with him If he had children there From that wife that he brought with him He can go free But if he had a wife and children born uh, That was given to him a, a wife that was given to him And children were born While he was in service to his master He can go free But his wife and children Aren't necessarily automatically free That doesn't mean that the, uh, the master can't go, hey, I've got a good heart, go ahead and go. And it doesn't mean that that never happened. But what it does mean is that he had no obligation to let them go, uh, but he could let him go because he was the one that willingly put himself in that place. Um, and by the way, it, it, it could very well even be that the master had given his own daughter to the, the, the bond servant. So as we see, there's this opportunity to go. Now, If he doesn't want to leave, if he loves his master, and it's very intentional that it says, if he loves his master and his wife and his children too much to leave, it starts with loves his master too much to leave. This doesn't mean that if he doesn't have a wife that he's not held to this. If he doesn't have a wife that was given to him and it's time to go and he loves his master so much that he doesn't want to leave, he can go through this process too. And so as he goes through this process, the master then uh, takes him before God and then takes him to a doorpost of his house, and he takes an awl and a hammer, and he drives this as a, uh, a mark through his earlobe. Um, and it sounds really weird, right? I said at the very beginning, we look at this and go, what in the world are they doing? This is weird. It sounds really weird. If we go back to uh, uh, Hannah Robbie's code, we realize that uh, a sign of slavery uh, in the ancient world was actually a pierced ear. And it was very common It wasn't just something that occurred in Israel It was very common throughout the, the, the uh, ancient Near East and, uh, and so on It was a very common sign of slavery And so if this person said they didn't want to leave The master would take him to a doorpost And it's very, very powerful that this occurs at a doorpost All right, Takes him to a door, doorpost Jams A all through his ear Marking him as his bond servant for life uh, he can never leave So why is this so important Why am I dwelling on this for, for so long If we go back to Exodus 19 This was last week's Parsha Exodus 19 beginning of verse 3 Moses went up to God, and Adonai called to him from the mountain, saying, Say this to the house of Jacob and tell Bnei Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now then, if you listen closely to my voice and keep my, my covenant, then you will be my own treasure from among all the people, for all the earth is mine. So are you, So as for you, you will be my kingdom of Kohanim and a holy nation. These are the words which you are to speak So he tells Israel in last week's Parsha, Exodus 19, as they are preparing to hear the voice of the Lord uh, at Mount Sinai, he tells the people, you are my chosen people. I have set you free from slavery so that you can live free in me. So you can live free in my presence, so you can live free serving me and me alone. Well, then we come to Exodus 21, and we read this whole thing about the bondservant not wanting to be set free. And what we realize is the issue here is that this bondservant who was set free from slavery in Egypt, his forefathers, if we go long enough down history, his forefathers were set free from slavery in Egypt, is now standing before a man and saying, although God is supposed to be my master... I want to subserviently be under you as my master from here out. And we're turning our back, in essence, on God. We're turning our back on the freedom that he has provided for us. We're turning our back on everything that he did to bring us by his might and his power, by his great arm, out of slavery in Egypt. And even more so is if you pay attention to the end of the narrative of the Exodus, what was the final plague? The final plague was the death angel passing over, right? And the firstborn died. And how were they saved from the death angel? They were saved by putting blood upon the doorpost. Where was it that the bondservant was taken if he wanted to be a bondservant forever in order to prove that he was now subservient to a man as opposed to God for the rest of his life? He then went back to a doorpost and his own blood. Was then put on that doorpost as he drove the awl through the master drove the awl through his ear his blood was put on the doorpost and now he's saying look I am literally giving you everything you did for me God I'm giving it back to you I don't want it I'm going to walk away I'm going to go be somebody else's slave I'm going to go be subservient to somebody else for the rest of my life. And when we look at Scripture, especially as we look at the Bruch Adashad, the New Covenant, what we see over and over again is this idea of God freeing us from the bondage of slavery, right? The, the image of, of the Passover, uh, the image of the actual Exodus itself was this image that was a prophetic reality of what the true blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Messiah would do in allowing the death angel to pass over us because of our sins, because he freed us from bondage and slavery to sin, Right? So much like this bond servant who turns to God and to his master, because remember, the master takes him before God first and then takes him to the door and puts the blood upon the doorpost, his own blood upon the doorpost. Think about the fact that every time we sin, we as followers of Messiah, every time we sin, it's as though we are bond servants standing at the door getting ready to return the blood that Messiah gave us upon the doorpost that set us free. Think about the pain that that must cause. The Lord, as every time we sin, He is watching as we're putting ourselves back in the same path over and over and over again. He has freed us from the bondage of sin, the bondage of slavery to the enemy, and yet we put ourselves right back there again, time and time again. We go forward to uh, Exodus chapter 24, beginning with verse 1. And it says then uh, to Moses, he said, come up to Adonai, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu and the 70, 70 elders of Israel and worship from afar. Moses alone is to approach Adonai, but the, the others may not draw near, uh, nor are the people to go up with him. So Moses came and told the people all the words of Adonai, as well as the, all of the ordinances. All the people answered with one voice and said, in Hebrew, they, they responded to the Lord or to the, the, the words of the Lord from Moses. Kol all the words which Adonai has spoken, we will do. All the words which Adonai has spoken, we will do. And then we go on. As a matter of fact, it's the same words that he they say. In Exodus 19, in the very next verse after what we read earlier, is all the words that Adonai says we will do. Verse 4. So Moses wrote down all the words of Adonai, then rose up early in the morning and built an altar below the mountain, along with 12 pillars for the 12 tribes of Israel. He sent them out, young men of Bnei Israel, who sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings of, uh, of oxen to Adonai. Then Moses took half of the blood. And put it on the basins, and the other half he poured out against the altar. He took the scroll of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. Again, they said, "All that Adonai has spoken, excuse me, all that Adonai has spoken, we will do." In Hebrew, this is just slightly different. There's one extra uh, uh, phrase added onto. All that Adonai has spoken, we will do and obey. And if you listen closely, the nishma, that root word is shema, the same as shema. Shema, Adonai, Adonai, Echad, hear, O Israel, the Lord of God, the Lord is one. It's not simply hear as though somebody's talking in your ear and you can hear them talking in your ear, but you're blocking it out or you're never going to do it. But instead is, excuse me, when the Lord speaks, when the Lord moves, when the Lord does something and says something, we not only listen, we not only consume what he's saying, but we respond to what he's saying and we do what he is saying And so they say All that Adonai has spoken we will do And obey then verse 8 Then Moses took the blood sprinkled it on the people And said behold the blood of the covenant Which Adonai has cut with you In agreement with all these an agreement with all these Words um, and so What we see is that Israel hears the you know they've now told Moses And by the way we recognize the Torah is not necessarily laid out chronologically for us, all right? So tradition tells us that it's most likely this particular section that we're reading in chapter 24 of Exodus uh, actually occurred before the Sinai experience. That this is, when it says in Exodus 19 that he, uh, they separated and he made sacrifice and so on, that this is that actual account, of how that all played out And that Israel said Everything the Lord says we will do And then he goes up uh, And then the, the voice of the Lord speaks So it's not necessarily written chronologically In the Torah Some of this stuff is kind of Bounced around and piecemeal together But it's, it's thematic The reason it is in the order that it is Is thematic It's to bring us to a greater picture uh, That of Messiah Yeshua And so as we see here It's really interesting That when the Lord speaks through Moses And the Lord speaks to Israel Israel's response is Everything you say We will do And we will listen Everything you say we will do And we will obey And it's interesting because in the What's often called the Old Covenant right, and we recognize clear and well That there's no Old versus New There's the Covenants of God Which He has renewed time and time again Including in the Brachadashah, The Renewed Covenant The New Covenant What is often known as the New Testament When we look at this section When we look at the Sinai Covenant Being given to Israel This is Israel in its most human form Right? This is the first generation of Israel Who truly as we can see Laid out in their journey in the wilderness Has next to zero Legitimate faith In the promises of God and in the hand of God Right over and over and over again They turn their back on him They reject him over and over and over again They grumble and complain against him Even in the midst of great miracles That he is doing for them They grumble and they complain It's not until we get to the second generation That we witness a people of faith In the true promises of Adonai and in the hand of Adonai and the protection of Adonai. So these words are being spoken to the first generation, who, in its very literal sense, is a prophetic reminder, if you would, of the old man, right? We as believers, we are walking or should be walking in this idea of this new man and the Holy Spirit and the renewal of the blood of of Messiah. And there was the old man. Right the old man was still indebted in slavery to the enemy and to sin and then there's the new man So this is the old man if you would of israel that is standing at the base of mount sinai And they hear the voice of the lord they hear moses speaking the commandments to them and they say everything you say We will do And then everything you say we will do and we will Do uh, listen, Or we will, we will hear We will respond We will obey Is the concept that's used there in that word Shema And so what we see is Israel's reaction to the covenant at Sinai Is to physically do So on the external to do And then to Shema or listen to, to have a heart response An intentional response to it Israel's response is one of Fleshly obedience and action Not necessarily one of a spiritual Obedience and action Whereas in the Brachadashah, the reaction that we see to this renewed or this new covenant, as we look through, for instance, Matthew 5, when we look at the uh, Yeshua's uh, teaching that if you've, uh, you've heard it said it's a sin to commit adultery, but let's say if you've been lusted in your heart, you've already committed that sin, and you've heard it said it's a sin to commit uh, uh, murder, but if you've been hated in your heart, you've already committed that sin. All of those, all four of those issues were already dealt with in the Torah These aren't anything new, it's not like he's coming up with some grand teaching that's out of nowhere He's just correcting our lens, our perspective of how we look at the Torah And so he's saying for every external there's an internal If you let me handle the internal, the external won't be a problem So Israel at the base of Mount Sinai is responding solely in the external They're saying everything you say we will do And then we will listen, right? Right? Whereas with the new covenant, with the Brech Adashah, the renewed covenant, it's a flip, as Yeshua calls us to, instead of do and then listen, he calls us to listen and then do. So it's a spiritual response to what, or a physical response to a spiritual reality, right? We see this work that God has done. We see the, the, the blood of the lamb poured out for us. Notice that in both cases. Right we're talking here at Sinai there was Blood poured out the sprinkling of the blood Of the covenant was put upon Israel As a matter of fact he uses very similar words To that that Yeshua uses at The uh, his final Pes- Passover Seder his final Pesach Seder When he holds up the cup and says this is the Blood of my covenant which is poured out for you Very similar wording is what Moses Is using here in this passage As he says behold the blood of the covenant Which Adonai has cut with you in agreement With all these words and the blood Is sprinkled upon the nation of Israel and They are brought into the covenant by blood in the same sense that we, as believers in Messiah, are brought into the covenant of salvation by blood. Their response was one of physical first and then maybe at some point spiritual. Whereas our response, because of the blood of the Lamb, because of the uh, reality of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us that makes the internal act first so that the external can follow suit, because of the reality of salvation. We are to respond spiritually first And then physically afterwards And when we look at this We recognize that in this idea of the covenant In this idea of the new covenant The blood of both covenants Exodus 24, 1-8 As I just said, 1-8 through 8, The blood of the covenant is placed on Israel After they say, we will do And we will obey Or we will, we will hear Whereas in the bruch hadesha When we receive salvation The blood of the covenant is placed on us first Notice the flip Right, The the old man, if you would, of the first generation of Israel And we're only speaking the first generation of Israel in this analogy The old man, if you would, in the first generation of Israel They heard God speak, they accepted what God spoke physically And then the blood of the covenant was placed upon them You and I coming into the new man We receive the blood of the covenant We respond spiritually and follow suit physically Does it make sense? It's a really interesting thing when we look at this and we watch how this flows because the reality is is as we're looking at Scripture as a whole, have we truly been let free from being bondservants as we spoke of in the beginning? Not in the least. Paul makes it very clear that we are to become bondservants of the Lord. He says over and over again that he was a slave to Messiah, and you and I are as much the same. We are to be slaves to Messiah. We are to be bondservants of the Lord. If we go forward to Matthew chapter 15 beginning with verse 1, says, Then some Pharisees and Torah scholars came to Yeshua from Jerusalem. They said, Why do your disciples transgress the traditions of the elders? For they do not do the ritual hand washing when they eat bread. Notice they're approaching Yeshua with a physical response, not a spiritual, right? The hand washing is solely physical. Not a bad thing. Yeshua never says it's a bad thing. Right? As a matter of fact, uh, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that Yeshua and his Tamadim, his disciples, did in fact go through net, what we call today, neti, neti'l- the hand-washing uh, that is done before we eat. I have no doubt in my mind that on a general basis they went through this. But there were certain circumstances where they were hungry They were in a field, they grabbed some grain, they throw it down the hatch They're hungry, that's just all there is to it There wasn't time to run all the way back to the village And wash their hands the right way and say the right blessings And come back out He never says that hand washing is bad As a matter of fact, we see the providence of God In protecting the people of Israel As he promised he would always do That he would never leave or forsake us Specifically through the act of hand washing And ritual bathing Because what we see is when we get to the black plagues That the only people group who survived almost entirely untouched were the Jewish people. Because we had regular uh, hygiene practices, we washed our hands before we ate. We weren't digging around in fecal matter in a ditch and then going and eating our food. We washed our hands before we ate. We took baths on a regular basis. We went through ritual immersion over and over again. Cleanliness was a part of who we were both in faith and in practice And so God provided miraculous, providential protection for the Jewish people through the Black Plagues because of these rituals. Things that the Torah doesn't specifically say, go wash your hands before you eat. It's a tradition within Judaism to uphold this mindset of cleanliness in everything that we do. We recognize that the food that we are eating is provided by God. It is sustenance given to us by God, so we approach it with a clean heart and a clean mind and a clean body. And so, which which is not unlike what we read Paul talking about, Right? And so what we see is this idea that Yeshua was responding to. He never says that this hand-washing thing is bad. But what he does go on to say is, and answering them, verse 3, he said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? In other words, do traditions outweigh the actual word of God? Right? Do traditions actually outweigh the word of God? For God said, honor your father and mother. And he who speaks evil of his father and mother must be put to death. But you say, whoever tells his father or mother, whatever you might have gained from me is a gift to God. In other words, uh, it's my responsibility to care for my aging parents. But if I take what was going to be given to them so that they could live, and I just offer it to God, I can let them fade away, and I don't ever have to think about them again. Life goes on. And this was a tradition that was established. He need not honor his father. On account of your tradition, you made void the word of God, which God specifically says to honor your father and mother, to care for them and to protect them. Hypocrites, rightly did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. By the way, this is not something that is singularly uniformed only to the Jewish people. The church does the same thing. And that's just the reality about it uh, There are churches that believe wholeheartedly That if you don't speak in tongues You're not really saved Or you're not really filled with the, Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit And you know what? I wholeheartedly believe in the, the, the working of the Spirit of God I wrote a book about it I'm all for it But I also think that there's order in the way that God does things And He specifically tells us Not all will do this, some will do this Not all will do this, some will do this And we can't take the Word of God out of context And make it say whatever we want It doesn't work that way and the same is true here. We have the same issue with people uh, who, you know, there, there, there are uh, denominational splits that have existed that have developed hatred between these denominations over how often the, the Eucharist or communion or whatever you want to call it, which, by the way, isn't in the Word of God at all. As a matter of fact, when those words were given, do this and remember to me, it was a Passover Seder. It wasn't the Eucharist or communion. But there are denominational splits over how often to administer Communion. And these denominations hate each other And will say hey those guys aren't really believers Because they do it too much Or those guys aren't really believers Because they don't do it enough We do the same thing in the body of Messiah today That the Pharisees were being accused of by Yeshua We elevate the traditions of man The commandments of man Over the word of God We elevate doctrines over the commandments of God This people honors me with their lips Everything you say we will do But their heart is far from me And Shema hear and respond and in vain they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. We go forward to Hebrews 9, chapter 15. Uh, I mean, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15. Uh, and he says, uh, for this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, in order that those called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Such, as, uh, such a death has taken place that redeems from them from violations under the first covenant, for which there is a covenant, the death of Uh, Of the one who made it must be established For a covenant is secured upon the basis of dead bodies Since it has no strength As long as the one who made it lives That is why not even the first covenant Was inaugurated without blood For when every commandment has been spoken by Moses To all the people according to the Torah He took the blood of the calves and goats With water and scarlet wool and hyssop And sprinkled both the book itself and all the people He said this is the blood of the covenant Which God commanded you and in the same way, he sprinkled the tabernacle, all the vessels in the ministry with, his, with the blood. And nearly everything is purified in blood according to the Torah. And apart from the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Therefore, it was necessary for the replicas of these heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices. But the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than this. than these for Messiah did not enter the holies made by, with hands, counterparts of the true things, but into heaven itself. Now to appear in God's presence on our behalf. And he did not offer himself again and again as the Kohen Gadol enters into the Holy of Holies year after year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have needed to suffer again and again from the foundations of the world. But as it is, he has been revealed once and for all at the close of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for men to die Uh, To die once and after this judgment So also Messiah was offered Once to bear the sins of many He will appear a second time apart from sin To those eagerly awaiting Him for salvation Think about that He didn't go into The tabernacle of the temple in heaven In order to offer his life again again And again and again And again and again So why do we so often rather than Hearing first And responding spiritually into the physical Why do we so often do first And then respond in the spiritual Why do we so often find ourselves Putting our our lives back under Condemnation of slavery to sin Over and over and over again And over and over and over again Having to return back to the Lord In haste and repentance It is as though we are Spiritually speaking Putting him back on the stake Over and over and over again obviously he's not going on the stake over and over again obviously his blood is not being poured out in the holies over and over and over again it was once and for all but every time we sin every time we put ourselves back in bondage and slavery to the enemy it's as though we're telling messiah hey first time wasn't good enough can we do this again you know what the 30th wasn't good enough can we try again you know what Three was wasn't enough let's go one more time maybe this will work right Every time over and over and over again But the reality is is that you and I are in fact Slaves We were bought from the freedom of uh, Bought from the uh, Freedom from bondage of slavery to sin In order to be slaves to Messiah In order to live lives That honor and glorify his holy name Before all men In order to do as Paul did And run and teach of the beauty and the power And the might of the works of God So that lives will be touched And people will come to know the saving grace of Yeshua Mashiach We are not called to stand at the doorframe and have an awe driven through our ear time and time again, saying that we are permanently slaves to the enemy because we are already bought by the blood of the Lamb. That blood was put upon the doorpost so that death could pass over us eternally in spite of our sins, in spite of our errors, in spite of our turning our back on the Lord so that we can walk in faithfulness with Him for all eternity. The reality is is that you and I are part of the new man represented by the second generation. We are the new man who are not simply acting out of uh, phys- the physical reality and hearing what God is saying and responding that we will do without actually sensing and listening and responding from that idea of Shema, a, a, a hear with response and action, but instead we are part of that second generation. We are part of that new man who responds first in the spiritual Everything you say, we hear, we shema, we receive it. And now we will walk in it. We will allow you, Lord, to handle the internal so the external never falls short. Have your way with me. Have your way in my life so that I can be an image and an emulation of Yeshua to the world around me so that many will know the reality of your might and of your power and that you are the Lord of glory. What we end up reading uh, next week, I think it's next week's Parsha, is, uh, or maybe it's the week after, what we end up reading is Israel building the golden calf while Moses is upon the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, getting the the hand-scribed Tablets with the Asarhadi broke the Ten Commandments, the ten words upon it to bring back as a sign of the covenant. And the nation of Israel gets worried because Moses is up there too long. The old man begins to act like the old man. And as the old man begins to act, we build idols because this is what we always knew. And we said, This is the God that brought us out of slavery in Egypt, as opposed to recognizing that it was truly a Shem. As believers, we build the same golden calves. We make the same exact mistakes as opposed to recognizing the blood of the covenant that has now been sprinkled on us, making us a new man is a greater covenant, a greater blood of covenant than Israel experienced at Sinai. It is a greater covenant because it is the blood of our Messiah. It is the blood of Yeshua Mashiach. It is the blood of God himself who came in human form and poured out his life so that you and I could be redeemed, renewed, and restored in his likeness so that the world around us will see him in us we are in fact bond servants we are in fact slaves of our Messiah and it is our duty to walk faithfully first hearing the blood has been sprinkled on us and we must first hear and respond out of that hearing and then act not the other way around the other way around where we act first and then hear is what we call religion where we put man's tradition and man-made things above what God actually says to do. And we equate it to the Word of God, and as long as we do these things, we're okay. But the reality is, is far too often we live in that religious mindset. We're really ugly on the inside. And there's no new man on the inside. We may try to present a new man on the outside, but there's no new man on the inside. Because we're so worried about trying to earn something that was freely given we're so worried about putting ourselves back under slavery to the enemy time and time and time again it's time that we truly walk in the freedom that was given to us, it's time that we stop walking with wounds and scars in our ears and recognize that the only scars that we need to focus on are the scars in the arms and legs of Messiah because that is what brought us freedom from the enemy, that is what brought us freedom from death and that is what made us a new man a new creation in him. Father, we worship you, Lord. We thank you that you are a gracious God who continues to reveal the picture of what you are doing and have done for your creation and for your people over and over and over again, not just through the word, but through history as a whole. Father, we thank you that you remind us every single day of your love and your care for us. And Lord, I ask you that as we leave this place today, that we will leave here with a bit of your thought and your heart upon us that we can focus on what you have put before us that we we can process and consume it that we can digest it and that we can leave here transformed and ready to encounter the world around us recognizing that we are a new man bought by the blood of a better covenant and walking freely in the uh, freedom given to us from the enemy, from death, and from sin. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray, and everyone says, Amen.